this is Psalms to God, Season 1, Episode 32, Most Likely to Get You in Trouble. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com slash trouble. Jesus entered a house, and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him, because they said he is out of his mind. The scribes who had come down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub, and he drives out demons by the ruler of demons. So he summoned them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is finished. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can plunder his house. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. Mark chapter 3 verses 20 through 30. CSB. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. So today we're going to do a yearbook superlative and we're doing most likely to get you in trouble. I think we spent a lot of time covering those people that we're supposed to emulate and maybe we go into their flaws and talk about parts of them that we should not emulate, but we don't really spend a lot of time talking about the people that we don't want to emulate, or at least I find that it's usually kind of a surface level thing. We're always left being like, how in the world do people think like this? How do they do this? Why would they do that? And we don't really try to get into their psyche to see how those sorts of behaviors are replicated in our own lives today. So I wanna talk about the Pharisees. Specifically, I wanna talk about this particular incident that happened with the Pharisees. It was a common occurrence but one that was specific, um, I'm using the version told in Mark chapter 3, um, but it's also repeated throughout the Gospels. I will link the other versions in the show notes so you guys can check those out too. But basically what happens is Jesus is out healing people, doing what he does, and you know they get upset again um, because the shine is not on them, it's on God. And so... They try to call um, Jesus out and claim that he is casting out demons in the name of Satan, which really makes not a whole lot of sense. So Jesus kind of points that out to them. He's like, why would, 
you know, Satan cast out his own army, that doesn't make sense. His kingdom would never work. Like, there's no way Satan can deceive most of the world if he's out here doing rookie moves, like cutting down his own soldiers. That's, you know, Jesus is like, what are you even talking about? And so, you know, basically he calls them out for antagonizing him and trying to question the works of the Holy Spirit. And in this, he gives us this warning, this very, very powerful warning about the only unforgivable sin. Or, well, I mean, technically taking the mark of the beast is also an unforgivable sin, but that's that's a whole nother podcast episode, guys. Um, but he talks about the unforgivable sin, which is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You can blaspheme anything else. You can say anything about Jesus, about God, but you cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And they became very close to blaspheming the Holy Spirit by suggesting that Jesus was, you know, performing miracles in the name of Satan. So basically, um, this is one of those things that you really want to know what it is. Like, you got to know what the unforgivable sin is so that you don't commit it. Um, and of course, following into the the Pharisees' footsteps is going to get you into trouble, which is kind of the basis of where this episode is talking. Um, so, you know, when I first read this a long time ago, it's like, yeah, 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 don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Um, but I wasn't really sure what that meant. See, the more I grow, the more I, I think about it, what was happening is, in this sense, <clears throat> the Pharisees were essentially calling good evil and calling evil good um, because they couldn't recognize the works of the Holy Spirit and they were confused or, you know what, I'm not even trying to say confused because if we... If we check the track record of the Pharisees, they had it out for Jesus specifically. So one of the things that I think plays into this passage is that it wasn't just an issue of them genuinely being concerned and genuinely thinking that he was working of the devil, but that they were jealous, right? Like, all this has to do with them wanting power and them not wanting him to take their shine away from them. And so one of the things that hit me a couple of days ago when I read this passage um, was this whole concept of accusing someone of working out of a spirit of possession or a spirit, an unclean spirit, essentially. Because I was reading this and I was thinking, am I being like the Pharisees? I have a definite tendency to remind people that there are other spirits out there. That not every spirit is the Holy Spirit. And not everybody who says that they are of God is actually of God. There are other verses in the Bible that support that. You know, there's the verse where Jesus says, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, you know, he's People will say this and he's going to be like, depart from me. I know you not. So there will definitely be people who think that they are serving God or who will claim to be serving God that are not. 
Um, and we have countless passages about false Christs, false prophets, and things like that. And so I'm not going to lie. I have found myself in a lot of situations where I've said things like, uh, you know, there's a spirit there, but I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit. Or, you know, I don't know if we talk about the same spirit. And so reading this verse last week, you know, it kind of hit me as a reminder to be careful about, you know, what I say. Because there is also a verse in which, you know, Jesus reminds the disciples that he has sheep of another fold and that things may look differently than you expect, not to let, you know, pride get into this equation. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that you can never suggest that somebody is operating out of an evil spirit. If you go to 1 John chapter 4, um, it talks about testing these spirits, knowing the truth and and knowing error. Um, you know, throughout the New Testament, Jesus, Paul, everyone is trying to give us tools to be able to identify false teachers and false leaders. And it says, you know, you're going to know them by their fruits. And obviously, if they're not working the fruits of the Spirit, then that's not the Holy Spirit. But when people are trying to do good in the name of God and they're praising God and what they've done is good, just like with Jesus, then we have no right to come against them. And I think that it's very easy for us to get caught up in tradition, to get caught up in ego and pride, and not necessarily recognize ourselves becoming Pharisees. Particularly when it comes to, like I said, traditions. When you look at arguments that occur in most churches, whether it's between um, the youth and the elders, whether it's between you know, this culture and that culture, it's usually about something that's really not that important. You know, we're arguing about whether or not we can play drums in the church. We're arguing about um, whether you can show your shoulder in the church as a woman. Um, You know, just things that in the grand scheme of, you know, your journey with Christ are not really crucial. They're not really all that important. Um, You know, sure, you can make arguments about accommodating for weak Christians and, you know, not offending people and whatever. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter if you played the drums or if you showed your shoulder or whatever. But a lot of times people will take this preference that is completely cultural and map that into oh you're not a christian or oh you're a heathen or you're not really of god because you're out here doing this that and the other and i've noticed um you know particularly in certain circles this tendency to just judge people based on what they look like and because they look like this then you automatically cannot be operating out of the holy spirit and that's the attitude that the pharisees had towards Jesus. He didn't look the way they expected him to. He didn't come the way they expected him to. He wasn't from a family of quote-unquote importance. He wasn't from a Levite family. Um, He didn't have, you know, quote-unquote formal training. We do see that he went to the temple to study, 
but he would not have been part of like the Levitical line. He wasn't a scribe. So, you know, they were more like, how dare you? Who are you? And why are you, you know, stepping into our territory? And if we're not careful, a lot of us kind of have that kind of a feeling. When you have people, I know for me personally, there was a very large period in my time where I never attended a building. I say it like that because I'm very, 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 um, I don't know, intensely motivated to get people to understand that a church is a community. It's a group of people. It's not a building. So I really just don't like referring to a building as church. But I did not attend a building or a service. Um, I had, of course, friends that were Christian. So I was still part of the church and I was still a believer. But I didn't attend, you know, like, quote unquote, a formal service week after week. And when people hear that, whether they are believers or not, a lot of people just assume that I was either a weak Christian or a fake Christian or whatever. And they had all of these assumptions that came with it. And, you know, even at the church that I attend today, one of the people, when they first met me, they were asking, you know, what church that I, I was visiting from. And, you know, I was like, none. And to be honest, you know, like I said, I, there was a long period where I just didn't go to a building. Even if I had claimed the first place that I ever went, if I claimed the place from home, I live 11 and a half hours from home and I'm from a small town. The church that I grew up in is not of the same denomination as the church I was at. There's like a 0% chance that they're going to know the name of this church, let alone the place that it's from. It would not have made sense for me to even mention that church. So I didn't. I just said none. And the next thing out of their mouth was, I'm going to introduce you to God. And I was extremely offended because I'm like, I already know God. Um, I'm not sure that people really understand how that comes off um, and the assumptions that come with it. And I think it is the same concept as this because if I'm not affiliated with a building and I am out you know, doing my own podcast. I am out here, you know, talking about this and that, and I'm trying to proclaim the word of God, then people who are immensely invested in the traditions that our society has brought up, many of which are not even biblical, they will have this vision of you being heretical or you being outside of the spirit and that's the same thing the pharisees were doing to jesus and so what i really want to urge all of us to do is to test the spirits according to john 4 to look at first john 4 Ooh, it's a lot of johns just got to make sure i get that in there first john chapter 4 um in the beginning it starts talking about testing the spirit of truth and the only way we can know whether it's the holy spirit operating or some other spirit is because it has the fruits of the spirit. And as long as it has the fruits of the spirit, then we should not be questioning it, even if it doesn't look the way we want it to look or we expected it to look. And I think it's extremely important because, like I said, the only unforgivable sin 
is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And Jesus calls that an eternal sin because when you say something bad about Jesus, you can change your mind, you can be forgiven. When you, you know, do something wrong, again, his blood will wipe that away. It will be all forgiven. But the Holy Spirit has a different function in our lives. You have God the Father, you have God the Son, but God the Holy Spirit indwells within us. And this is the key of the whole New Testament covenant, is that it is through the Holy Spirit that our lives are transformed. The Holy Spirit comes, I mean, it's kind of like possession. I don't like this word because it has such a negative connotation. It makes people think of demons. But essentially, the Holy Spirit is taking over our consciousness and our body and helping us to do all of those things that we can't do on our own. So I can't be loving all the time. I can't be patient all the time. I can't have self-control all the time because I am a human being and I will operate out of the flesh. Every time you come at me sideways, I'm going to come back at you sideways and I'm going to have an attitude if you just let me do it. That is why we have to stop and pray for the Holy Spirit to take over. So the thing is, when we can't identify the Holy Spirit and when we start saying bad things about the Holy Spirit and we start downtrodding the Holy Spirit, when we minimize what the Holy Spirit can do and all of these things, then the Holy Spirit can't work in us. And the reason this is dangerous, the reason this is an unforgivable sin and it will last for eternity is because the Holy Spirit is who convicts us that we have done something wrong. So if we push him away, there's nothing there to ever convict us that we have done something wrong. We don't have the power in ourselves to overcome these things, to to win these battles. And so if we tell the Holy Spirit to leave, we have no protection and we can't do it on our own. So you, you're just sitting there. And this is why Jesus says it's an unforgivable sin because you can't get him back. You can't like, there's, you're, you're completely gone. You're on an island by yourself. You can't see, you know, it's kind of like, tossing in your glasses and you know being blind you you're never gonna know what to look for to even know where to go looking for the holy spirit to get it back in your life and i definitely don't want any of us to end up in that situation either so the reason i thought it was important to come on and talk about most likely to get in trouble or most likely to get you in trouble is because Like I said, a lot of times we don't really think about the extent of this um, in our personal lives in current times. And it's a lot more prevalent than we think. The attitude of the Pharisees is heavily, heavily seen within um, communities, within churches. And, you know, it's almost always operating out of spirit of jealousy, out of envy, um, out of pride, things like that. We want to watch out for those things. And within ourselves, we want to check to make sure that we're also not operating out of just tradition. So like I said, 
pride. Yeah, you know when you're being prideful. You know when you're being you when you feel jealousy. You might not want to admit it to yourself, but you can you can see that a little bit. But I think sometimes traditions blindside us and we think we mean well. We think, you know, we honestly think, you know, okay, maybe they're not doing things right. Maybe they're not talking to the same spirit as me. But sometimes the spirit's just leading them in a different direction and sometimes the spirit is just operating in a way that we don't understand. And so I definitely personally felt convicted, which is a good thing because that means the Holy Spirit is still with me. So I have not committed the unpardonable sin. But um, I definitely felt convicted when I read that passage last week and started thinking about what I say and how I perceive others that are doing things in a manner that is different than what I expect. So... You know, next time you see somebody doing something a little unconventional, yes, make sure it fits the fruit of the spirit. Make sure that it's not contradicting the word of God and, um, you know, all of those things. But don't be so quick to judge. Don't be so quick to let little things that have absolutely nothing to do with your relationship with God influence how you see people or what you think of people or especially how you treat people because you'd be surprised um how much that stuff doesn't matter but also how close that is going to take you to being more like the pharisees than being like jesus and that is not what we're trying to do here so thank you guys for tuning in i hope that this has been helpful for you um (laughs) And I hope that you will be like Jesus and not like the Pharisees. Have a great week. I will see you guys next time.